0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Fantasy NFL Today podcast. And we are back. Happy Thursday night, football. I hope everybody's having an awesome week of work. I don't know about you guys, but it feels like this week is never ending. On Tuesday, I thought it was Thursday. wednesday i thought it was friday i thought tomorrow was saturday i am all messed up but we are here and i am here to help you win your fantasy leagues i first want to thank everybody that has followed my twitter my twitter right now is above 800 followers and i started this three or four months ago out of just a hobby, but I just wanted to thank you guys for following me and believing in me and trusting my advice. I think that's key, right? You could follow people all you want, but I'm not the guy that's gonna say start blank because I said so. I'm gonna tell you why I believe you should start blank. And then you take it from there. You decide whether that is the decision that you want to make. At the end of the day, my followers understand that I'm going to give them advice. I am not going to give them Exact answers to their start and sit problems. We even started a live show every stun Sunday. If you haven't tuned in yet, it's called the Fiddle and Sticks Show. It is an awesome show. Um my man Fitz does a really good job with the betting angle and gambling for daily sports as well as just gambling on the games in general. He is on fire. So if you're trying to win some money in daily fantasy sports as well as just sports gambling in general, and you have some start and stick questions for me. Please tune in on Sundays at noon Eastern time on Twitter. It's a Fiddle and Sticks show. I think it's a Fiddle and Sticks Sunday show. We're still trying to solidify the actual name, but make sure you get on there and you tune in. If you don't and you're, you cannot find it on YouTube, just go to my Twitter at JPSticko. I always post about an hour before the show goes live. I'll put a quick link on there. I'd love to see you all there. So this episode is going to be, I'm hoping, you know, 20 minutes, 15 minutes long. And the reason for that is, I'm going to be honest, I'm downstairs, one-year-old is sleeping upstairs. I wanted to get this episode in because I told a few of my followers that I was going to answer their questions today on the podcast. I was thinking about, you know what, Ah, should I do it You know, tomorrow at lunchtime, you know, or you know, no, I told you, I'm the man of the people, I'm for the people, and I want to help my people. So here I am. I'm gonna answer a few Twitter questions after the break. If you're ready, I'm ready. Let's roll. Okay, so I'm logging in here on my Twitter, and the first question comes from my man, at Ballin Opinions. That's his Twitter handle, at Ballin Opinions. How could, this is a multi-question, Question, (laughs) multiple question marks within the question, so I'm going to answer them one at a time. How concerned are you about Joe Burrow? So, ball and opinions, I actually have Joe Burrow in uh, one or maybe two of my leagues. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not that worried. I think I'm more worried about him getting hurt and not finishing the season than I am him turning around the season. We all know the main problem here in Cincinnati is the offensive line. Joe Burrow is getting his head taken off at an unbelievably high clip. He's on pace to, I think, double his sack total from last year. and His sack total from last year was extremely high. With that being said, this new offensive line is a new offensive line. Free agencies, draft picks, they're trying to gel together. It's going to take a couple weeks. And right now we are probably seeing the worst that this offensive line could possibly play. I also like to look at the future. Okay, so I went on to um, one of my leagues. It's a, it's a standard quarterback point league, but it's a PPR full point. But for quarterbacks, it's pretty much standard. Besides, we do a pick six minus four points if you throw a pick six, but that didn't factor into this at all. So what I did was I went to go see how many points Joe Burrow is projected to have in his remaining games. And it turns out that as of right now from week three on he's projected to finish seventh amongst quarterbacks and for me that sounds pretty good right because if he finishes a few points higher that's top five and if he finishes a few you know ranks lower that's still within the top 10 and i am totally fine with that and i think the turnaround if i was to bank and bet on it it's going to happen this week against the new york jets the new york jets have given up the 13th most points to quarterbacks this season. So I took it a step further. Who's after that? They play the Dolphins, and we know what happened to the Dolphins last week. I understand Joe Burrow is not Lamar Jackson in the way that they play, but that Miami defense is not scary to me, and they've given up the fourth most points to fantasy quarterbacks. The week after that, they have Baltimore, and we saw what Tua did to Baltimore last week. He lit them to hell. Baltimore ranks last in total points, meaning they've given up the most Points to quarterbacks this season. New Orleans Saints is an issue. That's after Baltimore, and then we get Atlanta, tenth most points, and then Cleveland, eighth most 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 points, and then Carolina, who's actually pretty good against the pass. But then I looked at who they played. They played Brissett and Daniel Jones, so they've given up the fourth fewest points to quarterbacks. But that is Brissett and Daniel Jones, who we know are the bottom of the barrel starting quarterbacks in the nfl so to answer your question if i was to give you a percentage of how concerned i am about joe burrow out of 100 100 being very extremely totally concerned i'm probably going to give it a 38 now that doesn't mean i'm not concerned at all because my concern comes from that offensive line he has way too many weapons and he's way too talented that if he's given some time he'll get the thing he'll get this done Okay, I think the Bengals do even right the ship here a little bit. I cannot see them just absolutely nosediving this year. Like I said, they're just way too talented. So to answer your question, how concerned am I? I'm 38% concerned about Joe Burrow, which in my opinion is not that much. The next question. (coughs) Excuse me. The next question in that question. Will Pierce ever reach running back two production? So uh, looking at Pierce's numbers here, week one, 11 carries, 33 yards. Week two, 15 carries, 69 yards. By sure volume alone, he's falling in the running back two slash three range for me. He's going to always continue to dominate carries in Houston just like he did in week two in week two he was the only running back to carry the football out of the backfield in week two rex burkhead did not receive a carry in week two so by sure volume alone i think he continues to fall in that rb2 rb3 range i think his ceiling is low okay and what i mean by that is He's not going to rush for 200 yards. He's not going to rush for 180 yards, 150 yards consistently, 130. We're not going to see that. We're going to see 70, 75, something like that a week. Now, he's going to reach his ceiling when he gets into the end zone. He has yet to score, but Houston Texans are having some issues offensively right now. Lovey Smith loves Damian Pierce because he fights for yards. And I think that's where his value lies is those extra yards that he gets because right now Houston Texans aren't blocking a soul. So all the yards that Damian Pierce is getting, he's fighting for. it. So do I think he ever reaches solely RB2 territory? I think he has a chance, but I wouldn't bet on it. I like him more as an RB2 slash three for the remainder of the season. Which means if you have a running back that goes down, he can fill the void until that running back gets back. But I would not suggest <clears throat> holding on to him and expecting him to just fill an RB2 role for the rest of the season. The next question <clears throat> is Mooney a drop if week three is a repeat of the previous two weeks? Oh my God, don't get me started with Mooney, okay? If you have been a listener of my ball and opinions, which I believe you are and have been, you know I'm high on Mooney. And this is so aggravating. The Chicago Bears act like they're playing football in 1920. They just run and run and run and run. The passing game is non existent. I heard a stat earlier today on Keyshawn Jay and Max, and it was something like, the passing percentages, the passing rate that the Chicago Bears are 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 doing this year hasn't been this low in like 40 years. That is mind boggling. They're playing football in the 1920s. I know that's longer than 40 years ago, but you get my gym. So to answer your question, would I drop Mooney? Would I drop Mooney after a poor showing here? Well, I'm a little concerned with the targets, right? Week one, he had three targets in week two, he had two targets the Bears need to start throwing the ball. And once the Bears start throwing the ball, if his target share stays low, I'm concerned. And I'm probably dropping. But if his target share goes up, and even if he doesn't have a good game, but his targets go up, I'm going to hold. Because I'd rather have a guy like him on my bench than a guy like, I don't know, um, another kind of a receiver that is maybe a wide receiver three on their team. Because Mooney's still the wide receiver one. And if Chicago Bears start throwing the ball more, he'll have more opportunities. So, would I drop him if he, let's just say, six, seven targets, five receptions, and gives you, I don't know, 11, 10 fantasy points? No. But will I drop him and think about dropping him if he goes again and Chicago Bears don't throw the ball at all again, but he goes two targets, one catch, four yards. I'm probably just – at that point, I've probably had it, and I'm just going to drop him because it, it, for me – the aggravation just not worth it. Folks, there is no such thing as a fantasy offseason, only the pre-draft season. And here at Sports Ethos, the pre-draft season has already begun. Our expert analysts are churning out important lessons learned and draft analysis on incoming rookies so you can get a jump on your prep and will have incredible free agency and a summer league coverage as well. But only if you're part of our premium member team. Head to sportsethos.com now and click on the premium tab to grab a fantasy pass today. Seriously, just cook yourself one extra lunch per month because this deal is only $5.99. I'll see you there. and Opinions, I hope I answered your questions there. If I did, make sure you just you know, tweet back at me, make sure that you got that message. Next on the question list is from J Stam 32. This is one of my buddies, Jason. And he asks, with so many early round running backs struggling relative to draft position and offenses more pass heavy in general, is running back heavy draft strategy becoming obsolete or is this an early season anomaly? As you can tell, Jason's a teacher and he uses really <laughs> Really large words. I love you, Jason. Um, see, th- this upsets me um, because I'll get to why it upsets me in a second. Let me answer your question. Okay. So currently, running backs in a full point PPR are ranked seven, eight, and 10 in the top 10. And that's, you know, a flex that's wide receivers, tight ends, and um, running backs. They have a uh, Chubb's at seven, Barkley's at eight, and Swift is at 10. Do I think? Early-round running back struggling relative to draft position, offensive pass, heavy general. Is running back draft heavy draft strategy dead? I think we are seeing the last of fantasy experts pushing the running back, running back, meaning running back in round one and then running back again in round two. I think that's dying, and it, it breaks my heart. And what I mean by that is I think you're going to see a lot more wide receiver of round one, running back round two running back round one wide receiver round two or wide receiver wide receiver and i've always pushed running back running back it's just the way that i've always drafted i'm still hanging in on my leagues and i'm not dead and i don't think i am i think i'm very 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 capable of winning every single league that i'm in even though i went running back running back in majority of them and that's because i think it's going to change right i can realistically say that there's a possibility that five running backs finish within the five, which finished within the top 10 of a flex position. Okay, so who are those guys? Well, I think Chubb can do it, which he's already in the top 10, Barkley's already in the top 10, Swift's already in the top 10. Aaron Jones is at 11, I think he continues to get better in that Green Bay offense. And I also think CMC is going to wake up and he's going to be a beast in PPR. He's too talented to waste him. Carolina, wake up. Enough, okay? Enough of this. <sighs> so frustrating. He's not, he's... <sighs> CMC is going to wake up, okay? I am keep telling myself that, and it's going to happen. So right there is five guys, right? Chubb, Barkley, Swift, Aaron Jones, and CMC. I think those five guys realistically have a chance to finish within the top 10. So if you're asking me if I wouldn't take a running back in the first round, That's wrong because if five of them finish within the top 10 scoring, that means at pick six and beyond, I'm probably targeting a running back next year. That is. But like I was saying, it's just it's just insane to me to think that football is changing so much from the game that I grew up playing and enjoying that power offense outside zones. It's now all shotgun. It's now all read options. It's a totally different game. Now, I'm not saying it's a worse game or I'm not saying it's a better game. I'm just saying it's different. And I kind of being a running back by trade myself is I miss I miss seeing those ground games, right? Those, those ugly offensive games where they're just chugging along for four yards, five yards, bang, and then they break a big one for 50. Kind of like what we saw last year in Jonathan Taylor. Now, I don't think that's totally dead. I really don't. And I think we're going to see games like that moving forward. We're only in week three. Right. But to answer your question in terms of fantasy wise. I think we're not we're starting to see the end of a running back round one, running back on the way back in round two. And that to me is sad. What's also sad to me is the type of defense some of these teams are playing. Oh, my God. Green Bay Packers in week one against the Minnesota Vikings was pitiful. Did they meet before the game and say, hey, guys, listen, Justin Jefferson is like he's not feeling well. Okay, so what we want you to do is like stay away from him like 15 yards, let him catch the ball and then just dive at his feet and act like you want to tackle. Because I think that's all we can do because he's not feeling well. That's what I feel like defense is now. Right. And I think what's going to happen moving forward is teams are going to realize that this is all passing. Right. And We're going to see a lot of. I think we're gonna see down the road years from now, a year from now, even later this season, a lot of three man fronts, dime packages. See a lot of that. We're seeing already the hybrid linebacker safety type players come into the league. Um Isaiah Simmons rings a bell, you know. Um Honey Badger does a good job at the line, even though he's small and the safety like and body body uh, structure. So I'm getting off topic here and I'm getting into what I think full is gonna be like, you know, down the road, but um It's sad to say that I think the strategy of drafting running back round one and running back round two is slowly dying. Jay Money, I hope I answered your question there. I know I got a little bit off topic, but it's just, you know, watching these football games now, it's more like watching a track meet, right? I kind of, you know, I wish I could just go back a little bit, you know, back in like late 90s-ish. When teams are just lining up with two tight ends and just, you know where I'm going with this ball. I'm going in the A-gap. Try to stop me. Um, But it is what it is, and I enjoy it still, obviously. Um, It's just different. And, um, yeah. So next question on the docket is from Eric at Eric Ball 3 I have a monopoly on backup running backs in a 10-team, one-point PPR. I have Mostert, AJ Dillon, Tony Pollard, Stevenson, and Jamal Williams. I normally start Saquon and Dylan with Chase and Higgins plus Jerry Judy in the flex. Should I be trying to package some of the running backs for a top-flight option, or should I hold? Well, Eric, I hate to break it to you, but you're a hoarder. (laughs) That's a stable of running backs, and I'm proud of you. Those are some good names there. Um, Mostert could be a headache, however, all season long. And what I mean by that is I came into the season and I kept saying Miami offense is going to be a headache in the run game. We didn't even know what the run game was going to look like, right? They got Cheetah on the outside. What were the run game going to look like? However, we're starting to see it play out in front of our eyes. It's going to be a ride the hot hand each and every game. Week one, Mostert got five carries. and week two, he got 10. So what I think is going to happen moving forward Mostert's going to get a start here. He's going to get first crack at the hot hand. Maybe the next game, Edmonds going to start. And he's going to get a crack at the hot hand. So I think you're really going to need an injury to Edmonds for Mostert to get the value in which you think that he holds um, or what you hope the manager that you're trying to trade him to thinks that he holds. Next on your list, you mentioned A.J. Dillon. You know, I think last week we saw what the Packers really want to do on offense. Okay. And that is pound the ball and that defense to submission with Dylan. Wear them out. And once they're on the ropes, I think it's they're throwing in Aaron Jones for those explosive pitch plays, screen patterns, right when they're tired. I think it's exactly what they need to do, right? That's exactly the game plan that I would have if I was running that offense in Green Bay. Pound the ball with Dylan, wear that defense down, throw in your best running back skill-wise in terms of athletic ability explosion and big play in aaron jones and bada bing bada boom so i do own both these guys so i am a little bit biased um but it's something that i would love to see so aj dylan to me holds extreme value for you on your team does dallas want to win do the cowboys want to win games this year right if dallas wants to win games this year tony pollard obviously needs to be involved this has been going on now for about a year and now two games. If Tony Pollard is not involved, they lose. If Tony Pollard is involved, they have a chance of winning and usually win. Week one, Tony Pollard non-existent. Week two, Tony Pollard got the ball nine times for 43 yards, a touchdown, four catches. They won. And hopefully, Kellen Moore, yes, Boise State, Kellen Moore wakes up and realizes the key to the Dallas offense is not C.D. Lamb, it's not Zeke, it's Tony Pollard. So, by me saying that, I think Cooper Rush is actually a benefit to Pollard. Let me explain. What is Dak Prescott known for doing? Forcing the ball. He forces every pass. Cooper Rush seems to be, as of last week, okay with dumping the ball down if nothing is there deep. Who does that benefit? Tony Pollard. So I think we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg with Tony Pollard. At least I'm hoping um, in terms for my fantasy team, because if Dallas wants to, to to do anything this year, they have to get Tony Pollard involved. And I and I, and I I think that continues this week. Now, New York Giants defense is nothing to sniff about. A New York Giants defense is serious this year. And I I'm so happy it worked out because that was my one claim of saying why I thought the New York Giants had a chance to compete for a playoff spot this year. I said, if you go back, i got to find which episode that was, but I said the New York Giants defense is going to be very good this year. They are very good up front. So I think Pollard needs to get involved in the passing game this week, and I think he will. So I think he is a start. He's a starting for me in my flex. Let's see how that goes. But in terms of what I hope happens on Monday night, I hope Tony Pollard goes nuts, scores 500 points, and the Dallas Cowboys lose by a heartbreaking game-winning field goal by my New York football giants. Next on your list is Stevenson, uh, New England Patriots. I have him too. He's a headache, and I'm sad. (laughs) And what I mean by that is he's got such good talent. He's just on the wrong team, right? Damian Williams is playing about 48% of the the snaps. Stevenson's getting his share. He's playing about 62% of the snaps. But Damian Williams is just outplaying him right now in every facet of the ballgame. However, Damian Williams is banked up right now. So if Stevenson can get his shot this week, as a full-blown three-down workhorse, this is his shot. If he could show Belichick and the New England Patriots that he, he is the guy, I'm telling you, they probably won't ride him for the rest of the year. Right? I tried to convince myself there, but if you know anything about Bill, Ch- Bill Belichick and running backs, who the heck knows? It's like Russian roulette out there. Whatever he's like, it's I think he just in the locker room. You know, he like closes his eyes and picks like a what color underwear he's going to wear for the day. And each color pair of underwear represents a certain running back in the running back room. And uh, I just hope it's Stevenson when I have him starting in my lineups. But does he hold much value in the trade market right now? He holds absolutely none in my opinion. So if you're going to do anything with trading Stevenson, it's probably wait a little bit. Wait till he has big game. Like, for example, if Damian Williams is out this week. He's going to get a full workload. Let's see him explode. Then I, if you're looking to trade somebody, that would be the guy I would trade right after that explosion. game. Jamal Williams, I Williams, uh, don't really want to say much about him. He's simply just a handcuff. Um, he's probably only val- valuable, very valuable to the uh, Swift owner in your league. So it's a tough choice here. Would I trade any of these guys and try to find a new flex position? You know, really the only guy that is currently holding value on that list and i'm i'm not putting aj dylan in that list because you said you start him um would be pollard right and i just don't think he's worth trading right now because you're not going to get anything better than jerry judy in a trade right because jerry judy's in your flex let's see how he does health wise if you trade pollard now what you're not going to get anybody better than jerry judy to put in the flex um so if jerry judy continues to trend in a positive direction, meaning he's coming back, you might as well keep Pollard for his upside. Right? He's one injury away from a full three down workhorse role in Dallas. And if that happens when Dak comes back, that could be a very explosive offense and very good for Tony Pollard and your fantasy team. So I guess you know my answer is wait on Jerry Judy. Let's see how hurt he actually is um because if he is healthy, again, there's no reason to get another flex because you're not gonna get anybody better than Jerry Judy, currently where those running back stands. Now, if Damian Williams gets hurt, he's out a long time, Stevenson gets value. If Edmund gets hurt, Mostert gets extreme value. Then you can start trading these guys, but right now packaging them, you're not going to get anything better than Jerry Judy. all right my good people that's going to put an end here to episode 30. i'm going to go ahead i'm going to go put my feet up on the couch watch this uh boring game however i'm going to enjoy it because football is football and i have deontay johnson and a couple of my fantasy teams so let's go deontay but i want you all to have an awesome friday tomorrow we are there we're at the weekend but don't forget get at me on twitter at jpsticko and make sure you're following me because I'm going to post right about hour around 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Sunday morning. I'm going to post the link to our Fiddle and Sticks Sunday show where we're going to absolutely go nuts and give you some great bets to hit, some great daily fantasy sports players to start on Sunday, as well as answer any start and sit questions you may have. You guys enjoy the game. Have an awesome weekend, and I'll see you all on the Fiddle and Stick Show Sunday, 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. As always, peace, love, and fantasy football.